Support for Food Friday Leftovers comes from Berkshire Co-op Market, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, a community-owned natural grocery store dedicated to sustainable agriculture, the local economy, and the environment. Working within the community to better Berkshire County, one basket at a time. Berkshire.coop. Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. We have a delicious cauliflower tagine. We are joined again by Chef Anissa Wahid of Tara Kitchen in two locations now. Yep. Schenectady and Troy, New York. Troy is soon to be opening, yes. But you are so much more. You have your delicious sauces and preserved lemons available in stores. Yeah, we have a line of cooking sauces that I created maybe um, two years into the restaurant. And it started mostly because people eating the tagines at the restaurant, which are kind of like stews and different protein and sauces and used to, and you eat it with bread. And, you know, a lot of people asked me, how do I get the sauce? How can I make this at home? <laughs> and I thought about that and I said, well, you would need 50 different things <laughs> to do this one time, maybe once every six months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of the genesis of the idea of having a line of cooking sauce. And also, around the same time, I was approached by the marketing manager at Miskuna Food Co-op. He said, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's nothing like this on the market. There's tons of lines that have... Indian sauces, there's a lot of Jamaican sauces, there's a lot of Thai, there's a lot of Chinese, but nobody has a Moroccan sauce. And he said, if you did something, I'd put it on the shelf at the co-op. And I said, oh, this is so great. (laughs) You know, I'll sell maybe five of them through the restaurant and they'll sell five and yay, we'll make some more money. And it really just started that way. And I had to, I'd never jarred anything in my life before and I had to figure out how do I bottle something. And that was like, you know, trying to figure out how to put a man on the moon. (laughs) me. I felt that way. And I was like, I bought every book on jarring and canning. And then I found out that the way I wanted to do it and to mass produce is completely different. So it was a really long, arduous educational process. Um, And I had the added burden of wanting to do something that was preservative free and all natural. And um, every time you put a condition on the product that you want to jar, it changes the process. Mm -hmm. That's really what I learned and understood. Um, So it took me almost a year to get uh, recipes that got FDA approval and that we could jar and we could sell. Um, And it really just started with that. We started carrying them on a shelf in the store. It was like one shelf with like you know, 10 bottles, and then um, it was then two shelves with 20 bottles. And now, of course, we're in over 100-plus doors Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the Northeast region with Whole Foods and um, a lot of the local price shoppers and co-ops. That's kind of how it's all started. And this entrepreneurial spirit that we've seen in Episode 30 of Food Friday Leftovers, if you haven't checked that out, definitely listen to that episode where we spoke to Anissa earlier. But now, in the Food Friday episode, you were talking a little bit about your mom used to make things for neighbors, and you've always been exposed to that. And then um, you're also having... A, you have some cooking classes yeah. going on and I even saw beauty products you know <laughs> so there's like there's so many different things that are, are, are coming out of this and I just yeah how did that come about 
I think I just thrive on creating. And you know, two of my passions in life. And that doesn't have to be just like an artistic yeah, field. It, like food is a lot more artistic than I think a lot of people, especially if they just go credit. like McDonald's or yeah. brand restaurants yeah. where it's the same thing anywhere. There's no innovation or anything. Absolutely. And I really feel that as an artist, um, I have found the uh, medium for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I always thought that as an artist, my medium w- would would have been either painting or maybe singing or, you know, growing up my entire childhood, I was in some way, shape or form in some sort of performing arts or Mm -hmm. visual arts um, uh, courses through the summer. I'd take violin lessons, which, by the way, my violin teacher told me, please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take violin lessons? Yeah, I was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to get that out of the way. (laughs) So I knew I was not going to be a world-class violinist. Not going to be a Tanglewood anytime (laughs) soon? (laughs) So I think um, I have this desire to be creative. Mm -hmm. And um, so every I think for me, it's exciting to make new things. It's exciting for me to um, create new flavor profiles, experiment Mm -hmm. with that. Even at home, I I say this all the time to my husband and he thinks it's so strange because if I never eat the same thing again, I'd be happy. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd be happy dying today if I'd never eaten the same thing twice because I want to constantly experience a new taste. I want to constantly experience a new recipe. Does he want to keep the same things? He's extreme. Yeah, he's very much. (laughs) Can we just have this again? Right. He's very, um, uh, you know, predictable in what he will eat and how he will eat. And um, but for me, it's like every single meal I want it to be different. Mm -hmm. So that uh, must make meal planning a little hard. It, it makes it incredible. I mean, I have to sort of uh, do something one-off because I still have to think about my kids and the husband, right, when yeah. we're planning meals. Um, so I, I'll tend to do a lot of food exploration on my own or with my girlfriends, that kind of stuff. But uh, So I think, like, being in the restaurant, it allows me to have so much creative freedom. Uh, and my other passion, aside from food, uh, is uh, skin products. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love beauty products. I love skin products. I'm constantly, um, it drives one of my really, really close uh, best friends. Her name is also Anissa. It drives her crazy that I can't seem to ever have the same mascara. She's like, just when I thought you found the right one, now you switched it up again. Well, what should I be using? <laughs> well, what's interesting about beauty products and skincare products is, a lot of the, the ones that you would think would be better are yeah. made from edible ingredients. Absolutely. Things like cocoa yeah. butter and yeah. mm-hmm. um, all natural, yeah. all, all natural ingredients. I know aloe vera yeah. juice tends so to be a good ingredient. So the beauty products that I make at the restaurant are all edible. They're all organic ingredients. Uh, we even make a soap that's edible. You can eat it. Um, because it's really to get hungry in the me. shower. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to me. And so I have, I'm extremely lucky that I have a space where I can create and do what I want and what I please rather than, you know, working for someone and having to do something. I enjoy my job so much. Last night we were so insanely busy and, you know, we're all, we had three cooks in the kitchen and we're cooking and it's just insanely hopping and it just feels great that I can mm-hmm. kind of do this um, and make a living at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's in, yeah. Great. So tell us something that failed creatively, because we all know as yeah. creative people, there's stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. And so what you learn from that is important for the next time. Absolutely. So you know, um, at the Schenectady location, 
we have a couple different dining rooms. It's it's an old historic kind of building. I don't think it's actually landmarked, but it's one of those old ancient buildings that has a weird um, floor layout. It's two floors, and then we have a deck. And as we were growing and expanding, we thought, why not add a garden? And we'll do um, a barbecue menu in the garden, and we'll grill all this meat, and it'll be just like Jamal Fana in Morocco, and people will love it. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> and it fell flat, completely, totally, utterly flat. Wow. And it was stunning to me because my thought was, so we have a kitchen with only 10 burners. And as we keep increasing our capacity going out, how do you, now your restaurant seats 70 people. How do you serve 70 people from a 10 burner stove? So my thought was we'll put a barbecue in the garden, like a charcoal grill, mm -hmm. and the people choosing to sit in the garden would just eat off of that. They'll have a pitcher of sangria, and that'll be that. And then the kitchen inside can just maintain the indoor space. But nobody wanted it. Uh, we, we tried it for maybe a good... <sighs> maybe four or five weeks, and we had mm. one person who showed up who oh. said they wanted to do it. <laughs> Every other person who showed up said they wanted to sit in the garden but not eat the grilled uh, menu. They wanted the inside menu, which was stunning to me, right? And I think um, what I learned from that was that what we do, we do incredibly well, and we should not screw around with it. <laughs> <laughs> Focus on that one thing. <laughs> yeah, because I thought it would be like, oh, you're sitting in the backyard with the apple tree, and you're going to have a beer and eat some grilled meat, and everybody's like, why would I do that? I can do that in my backyard. Right? <laughs> like, I can put a chain wing on a grill. Like, okay, great, yours has harissa on it. So what? I'll buy a jar of harissa, and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. which was a really good learning experience for me. And I was thinking about it from the perspective of, oh, we're offering them something new. And they're like, why are you trying to offer me something new when you already have something that I'm already craving? Mm -hmm. So eventually we, of course, we still have the garden space, but um, we service it through the restaurant and with the caveat to the people sitting in the garden that there will be a delay, you know, um, once the restaurant fills up and then there's overflow into the garden, those people have to understand that with just 10 burners, now we have to feed have another drink. People. Yeah, have another drink. <laughs> Enjoy another the pitcher. weather. Yeah, yep. that's it. So th that was incredibly interesting to me. Yeah. So if you thought about that or the jarring yeah. at the beginning, yeah. which one would you think was... Going to fail? Yeah. I would have said the sauces, right? Because it's such a um, completely uncharted territory. It's something you absolutely cannot control. And well, you're not standing there. Like, you're not hey. standing there. You're not explaining your product. You're not, you know, I mean, we do do taste testings and we hire people to go out in stores. and, to, But um, it's out there in the universe. Mm -hmm. Whereas at least in the restaurant, it's within your control. You can immediately get that feedback, you can correct it, you can fix it. If somebody comes in and they're like, you know, I don't like this or I don't like that, then you can immediately f fix it. And now that we're so much bigger and we're in so many doors, now we ha we're within the supply chain command where now you have distributors, you have packers, you have, you know, the uh, retailers, I mean, the shippers, you have so many more people involved in this chain. Um, it's hard to... Uh, have control on that process. You have to kind of let go a little bit. So I would have thought for sure that this would not have taken off as fast as it did. We've only been on shelves for like two years, like in a true sense, right? Wow. And for us to have this kind of distribution and this kind of love, 
Uh, I never in a million years would have predicted that. Yeah. And so many different varieties. I mean, yeah. there are six here today. Yeah, we have a total of um, seven SKUs that are out in the market. I know, yeah. And people are constantly asking me for new, and I'm like, what? <laughs> have you gone through all these seven that I created, and have you mastered every single recipe? <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> The sense of control goes back to another question that I have about the new location. Yeah. Because you can't be uh, in both at the same time. Yeah, but you also can't be afraid of not being in both at the same time, right? How would, how else would you grow? Right. Uh, I mean, it's extremely important for me to maintain consistent food quality, and I don't ever want people to think that, oh, if she's not in Troy, it's not as good as Schenectady, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to me. To, to a great extent, yes. Am I the brand? Yes. And do people associate this very closely to me? Yes. Um, but we also have a ton of process in place. We have, you know, uh, recipes that we follow, and we have... Um, this is where my workflow management background comes into place, right? So we, everything is measured and everything is uh, quantified. So it's shocking. Uh, most nights I don't cook at Schenectady. Uh, my cooks cook it and because I want to spend time with my kids and <laughs> I can't be chained to the restaurant, to every tagine. So we, I feel extremely confident in the talent that we have. And I realize as we grow, and not just with the sauces, but also with um, maybe potentially more locations. That, In Albany, perhaps? Yeah, well, Albany, Saratoga, <laughs> Within New walking City. distance of my house, preferably. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that I think was, what's going to become key and very important is process and checks and balances within that process. And, um, and that's how we're going to grow. Otherwise, I would just be in Schenectady forever, you know, in, in the one location. I'm trying not to joke about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, another thing that you brought up in the Food Friday episode that I thought was interesting is you said you got 12 hours of sleep. I do. And my jaw went down. I was like, how does she do it? You know, (laughs) people ask me that all the time. You made the point about what is the 12 hours? Is it eight to eight, nine to nine? No, I mean, maybe uh, 12 is an exaggeration. It is close Ah. to 12. Well, it is. I'll tell you how. So I usually am in bed. Uh, the kids go, to, go down to bed around 9, so I'm already in by like maybe 9, 15, 10, and then I light well, up. Oh, you're already doing better than I am. Uh, around 10. I get up around 7, we push them off to school, and then I get back in bed. So then I'll probably you know either kind of snooze, laze around till um, 10. Then I'll get up, get dressed, and go to the restaurant and be there for 11, 11.30. So it's really important for me to have my rest and mm-hmm. to be, like, sharp and to be, you know, if I'm going to work a 10-hour day, then I'm going to make sure the next day I either have off or I get a massage or I'm really, <laughs> really good about taking care of myself because I know, I, with experience, know that if I'm not right, you know, everybody is looking at me, the cooks, the kitchen staff, the kids. Um, mm. So I have to really take care of myself. Otherwise, we couldn't do anything. 
do you think that the self-care that you this time that you spend for self-care has directly contributed to some of your successes? Absolutely. You know, I mean, how can you do anything if you're like groggy and you can't make the right decisions? You can't be like sharp. I have to make decisions on the fly constantly. You know, I, I get calls all the time with some sort of disasters happening all over the place. I mean, we're going through a bunch of stuff at the restaurant right now with, you know, different kinds of things. And um, there's something with the bank, there's something with payroll, there's something with the kid not coming in because he's sick or whatever you know mm -hmm. there's so much stuff that's constantly happening if I was groggy and tired and cranky all the time uh, then I wouldn't be able to do anything you and know? you wouldn't be the lovable monster that you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> <In the room. laughs> oh my gosh that was hilarious it's so funny though I mean I, I we have an incredible team so they're great but um and it's just funny that they have this kind of uh, feeling about me, which is interesting. To well, me. it's nice that they are comfortable enough and you have you have your group, right? You yeah. Have these people you're comfortable with or yeah. the process is working yeah. and they're so comfortable with you that they I mean, in some organizations, you wouldn't dare <laughs> say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't dare, you know, yeah. but you can tell that you've established a level of comfort but also professionalism because yeah. I mean look you're opening another location so. yeah no I mean I, I'm only as good as my team honestly I mean my husband who's um, often kind of is not in the limelight as much as I am but I get to sleep 12 hours so that he doesn't <laughs> 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 right so I think that having the right partner having the right team all of those things are so incredibly important and you know what for small businesses small entrepreneurs I see that as a failing, and I see that so often where people are so overworked or uh, don't value their time, you know, and I think that's what causes a lot of people to sort of make bad decisions and mm -hmm. um, something to think about. And not serve breakfast. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, start at lunch. We we do short, short, short hours. If you ever look at our hours, we, from eleven thirty to two, we do lunch, and then five to eight, we do dinner. And never in five years has this happened to me. Last night, a group walked in. Um, there were three of them, and it was eight oh nine. And I said, no, sorry, closed. Kitchen's closed. We're cleaning up. And the guy was like, no, I have to eat here. And I was like, I'm really sorry, sorry. Come back tomorrow. We did. No, I have to eat here. You know, will you take a hundred extra dollars to feed us? And I turned around, and the guy's like, they're standing there with your jaws like dropped. And I said, and I now I have to make a decision, right? Yeah. What do I do? And um, so I said yes, and they came in, and we kind of worked lightning fast and had them serve literally in like twelve minutes, <laughs> um, and they were just so incredibly happy. Uh, but that's never happened. Were they repeat customers? Um, no, one of, one of them was, but the other two, he had brought them. That okay. this is the place you have to eat, yeah, yeah. and the, 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 oh, they okay. were from out of town. They were only going to be in town for like that one night. He's like, oh, I screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, in the past, people have come in at like eight o three, and we've said, no, I'm not going to serve. I have to go home. I have to, you know, be yeah, with yeah. the kids. Um, so I think like having that discipline is extremely important. Um, you just have to do what is right for you first mm -hmm. and how that kind of works. And then you figure out um, how to dole it out. That is important. You won't want to be too flexible, but you want to be flexible in the right situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Do you have a funny story to end us on again? We forgot to tell you again. <laughs> Bring a funny story. <laughs> yeah. Or we usually tell them outside or forget. You know, either one. Yeah, I, I think my mind was on the cauliflower tagine and I was just thinking about that and <laughs> forgot to remind you. Well, well, the story, the thing that happened last night was pretty funny. Um, let's see. Funny stories at the restaurant. We have so many of them all the time, but of course, you know. Yeah. You ask me. They that. all escape as soon as you get here. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be like, "Ah, oh, remember that time?" Um, and nothing's popping out at me. I'm so sorry. But, That's right. Uh, you'll be back. Yeah, I'd love to be back. This is great. I'm sure you will be. <laughs> Especially if the food is this good every time. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, thank you so much. That was Anissa Wahid of Tara Kitchen in Schenectady, New York, and opening a second location shortly in Troy, New York. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. (laughs) 